Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm grateful to get to welcome back Aaron Antone to the podcast once again. On this episode, as we read and listen and explore Psalm 30 together, we talk about the ways that the psalmist almost seems to be bargaining with God. We talk about the goodness of God and how we respond to that with gratitude. And we also talk about the ways that this psalm helps us with the vertical dimension of our praying. And we'll explain more what that means as you listen. So join us in this conversation as we explore Psalm 30. To get us started, here, of course, is Aaron reading the psalm. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when you favored me, You made my mountains stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing, You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Aaron, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Matt, thank you for having me. Happy to be back. I appreciate you matching my welcoming energy with your own uh, energy. Yeah, well, it's infectious. You've got infectious welcoming energy. I was trying to think this morning, Aaron, about how many hours we might have podcasted together. Oh, boy. And it's quite a few. Yeah. yeah. Did you come up with a number? You know, I didn't. But I was just, I was just, yeah, the general contemplation of the time that we've spent on microphones, yeah. the thought of then sitting down with you to talk about Psalm 30 just filled me with warmth <laughs> and nostalgia and excitement <laughs> about the opportunity to do it again. Well, and I've got a little secret. I'm not even sitting down. I'm standing up. I'm so excited to talk Psalm 30 with you. Well, let's dive into our questions, shall we? First question, Aaron, what stood out to you in reading this psalm? Okay, you know, there are a lot of refrains that are are really, are pretty familiar throughout sort of the whole Psalter. But once in a while, and I've seen this in other ones, I I don't have examples off the top of my head, but there, what struck me was this interesting verse nine on this read through, this is what struck me. Mm. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? There, mm. There's this, it's almost like this little bite of sarcasm or something that's embedded in the psalm. <laughs> you know, like, hey, God, if you want me to praise you, you can't, like, uh, destroy me. Because yeah. the dust isn't going to do it. That's that's what struck me this time. I, I I wonder what you think about this little nugget. I mean, there, there are, there's a kind of an interesting psalm that like a lot of psalms do there's kind of an arc of different things going on throughout the verses but this this yeah. little this little point right here i thought was really interesting it tells us something about our relationship with god 
created mm. people, but also made in his image. What do you think? That is a fascinating little verse that just kind of gets dropped in and kind of tweaks the song a little yeah. bit because that stood out to me too. I thought that was pretty fascinating. I, it feels like this is where I love the ambiguity of poetry. It, it seems like there's so many different ways to read that. It's like one, there's probably a version of reading verse nine that is oriented around enemies. In other words, like if, if I go, there's kind of an injustice here happening. Oh, that's maybe yeah. the most positive okay, reading. Okay, good. But I'm more inclined to read it like you do. And I think that's probably truer to the song that there's almost a bargaining here. It made me think of when God wants to destroy the people of Israel, basically, when he's just mad at right. them. And Moses goes and is like, hey, you brought them out of right. Egypt. You're only going to kill them in the <laughs> desert now? Like, that's not going to look good oh, for you. And yeah. Essentially, it's like, hey, think think about the optics here, God. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it feels like this is maybe a lesser version of that. Like, hey, like, here's, here's the situation, really. Yeah. I was reading something that the word in verse nine gained. I think your tra- the translation you read had gained, yeah, right? right? What is gained is a very commercial word. Oh, true. There's a, there's a sense here in which it's like the psalmist is basically saying, hey, like numerically, like you lose a worshiper, you gain nothing. <laughs> Do like, you want to come out ahead bad, or what? Bad, it's bad for your numbers, yeah. which I found really interesting huh. in a world in which numbers are so significant, right? But yeah, it's a weird, huh. it's a weird little blurb. In the midst of the song. Well, that parallel to Moses bargaining with God it is, is really interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that yet. But when I was a kid learning that Bible story, I was like, wait, like God is open to this? He's <laughs> like, he's open <laughs> to sort of deal making? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yes. Like, I didn't, didn't think that's how it was, how things worked. Yeah. And then you wonder how and sort then... of literal that whole idea is and you're right like this is this is right. poetry so there's some license we have to we have to look for metaphor i think for sure inference here the other thing that it made me think of aaron i don't know if this resonated with you but when he talks about the dust praise will the dust praise you i thought of when jesus is like hey if you're silent the very yes rocks will yeah yeah out. yeah did that and so like the answer to verse nine is kind of like well actually yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no it, it will <laughs> Like, 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 what do you think? Of course, of course, the dust will praise God me. Is, but like, we don't get that. God answer. is calling David's bluff, man. Right? Yeah. 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 Right. That's, totally. That's cool. And verse ten paired with verse nine is also kind of interesting because it goes from this bargaining to then just like, "Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help." Yeah. It's almost different prayers or different approaches. Right. You know, it's. Like, that's a real shift to basically just throw yourself on the mercy of God versus, hey, like, have you thought about kind of the logistics and the optics and don't you really want an extra follower here? So to put those back to back, I also find, yeah, really fascinating. It's almost like David was, he he needed, like, he needed to get this off his chest, but he knew, like, not to sort of dwell in this. And I think we've talked about this before with the Psalms, but there's always a part in the Psalms where you need to, there's an expression maybe that you need to make but it's not a spiritually healthy to live in that place because what you need to do oh, is yeah. make a turn and recognize um, God's faithfulness and your confidence in his continued faithfulness, which is exactly what's happening in this Psalm too. Yeah. To me, that's one of the beauties of spending a chunk of time with a Psalm, like rereading it over a period of time, because so often it feels, you, you know, you mentioned making a turn. I don't make turns as quickly as the Psalms move me. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? 12 verses is not enough time for me, for my heart to be converted, so to speak. Right. 
which is why I often find myself like, okay, it's probably more helpful for me to read Psalm 30, you know, every day for a period of time right. to let it kind of seep in because I'm not going to make that pivot from nine to 10 yeah. <laughs> that quickly, right. as quickly right. as the Psalm does. I mean, this could, this so. could take a, and this could be a year's worth of sort of human experience mm. that David is, I mean, you've got a verse for each month, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's right. more the pace that we need to be, or or yeah. it could be even over the uh, course of a lifetime, be sort of the right. timeline. That's kind of the amazing thing, actually, when I think about poetry or even songwriting, right? Um, like, yeah, you're condensing months, years of experience into phrases, yeah. which is kind of an amazing thing. Yeah. But then they're experienced in minutes, which is, you know, yeah. which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I'm always, so that's what stood out to me. That's like, it's those little chunks in a psalm always sort of draw me in when there's this like throwing your hands up at God or just kind of being ticked off for a second. That always pulls me in because it's almost always very relatable. I was struck in addition to that, because that really did catch my eye in a similar way, is uh, the language, especially in verses one through three, about the extremes of the psalms. Like you lifted me out of the depths. You brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. The stakes are really high in this psalm. And it seems like maybe from verse 2, there's healing. So maybe this is particular sickness as opposed to other places where, you know, it is, it's a little bit more kind of enemies and war. Although enemies are still mentioned, they always find their way into the psalms, right? In verse 1. But to me, that was kind of an interesting piece and another reminder. Sometimes I think we want to feel very close to the psalmist and we want to, Uh, feel very um, close to these words. And sometimes it's helpful to recognize the distance we have from the words, which I think is a conversation you and I maybe have even had before. And I certainly have with other people on this podcast talking about who are we in the Psalm and our temptation always to identify as the hero of the Hmm. Psalm, if that makes sense. And so like, as I was just thinking, and there's, there's certainly people in our context who have had these kinds of either near death experiences or, you know, been sort of that desperate, but that's really not a part of my life, which is kind of interesting. Certainly there's been loss and certainly there's been pain, but I haven't been, you know, exposed to a really life-threatening illness to this degree or... Or hunted down by your father or father-in-law or whatever. I've not. So, you know, a slight difference between me and David really there. But that's not to say I can't engage the psalm, but it is sometimes helpful for me to remember, oh, right, like there's there's a difference between me and the psalmist. But also it then reminds me there are people all over the world, Christians who would be praying the psalm, who this is the, the deepest and truest need for them, right? right? They are right. on death's door. And then like, what what does it mean for me to pray the psalm with them and on their behalf in some sense? Huh. It's just a helpful reminder for me. So I was just struck. I was like, wow, there's a lot of death happening here in these early verses that's framing the psalm, which is just not a part of my my particular story. So how do I, you know, how do I begin to engage it? Well, you know what I love about psalms language in general, especially this hyperbolic language, is it allows it allows room for like the, you know, the very worst, the very worst experience that your situation would allow Mm. for. It still kind of can be contained and relatable in in the psalm. So like. So you're right, whether we, there might, there might be other places in the world where, like you're saying, people could read this more, even more literally, it, yeah, there's right. still, there's still an element that we as sort of comfortable 21st century suburbanites can, there's still room for us to, to grieve and to be scared and angry. No, right. 
even though even though we won't yeah even though we feel a little bit out of touch with david's sort of literal situation but yeah that's helpful aaron and i think but part of the gift of it is it also highlights our comfort yeah like in other words like there's a little it puts a little bit of a spotlight i think helpfully yeah not not dismissively right because there's a version of this where you just dismiss yourself and you dismiss your pain and you say my pain's not as big as someone else's pain so god doesn't care about it i shouldn't care about it i should just move on and the psalms never seem to do that kind of relativizing of pain but i think there is a helpful way where you realize oh i'm praying this with all kinds of people some of whom pray these words will be praying these words with desperation i probably pray them with less desperation but there's a part of my heart that needs them equally deeply so what does you know and entering kind of the tension of that really i think is helpful. right yeah this actually led me to my answer kind of for this second what was a second question yeah. Second question is, what do we learn about God from this psalm? Well, my my thought was, even though we're always wearing like some kind of sackcloth, you know, there's always some wailing mm. that we're doing. There's there's mm. always, I, I like to use the word turn when I talk about the psalms, but there's always, and this is a little one, but there's always a reason for gratitude. And like, you turned my wailing into dancing, you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Like, that's just one little turn. Like, here's where I was. Here's what you've done for me. And I think I mm. think the subtext in there, and I think throughout the Psalter, is one of gratitude. Yeah. In fact, I guess I hadn't I guess I hadn't even thought about this, but the very last line, oh Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Yeah. yeah. The the line in uh, verse five, his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. I was listening to a podcast and I can't remember which one exactly. I listened to probably too many podcasts. <laughs> But where one person on there was just talking about part of the work of people in the church is to really remind one another and to share with the world that God is fundamentally good. Mm. And that we, for whatever reason, that's something we struggle to believe and really hold on to, that God is uh, deeply for us and is deeply good. And to contemplate kind of the depths of that and the fullness of that and the riches of that rather than just sort of like a, Oh yeah, God is good. Like moving on, but okay. All that he does flows out of his goodness. And this line just reminded me of that. Like his anger is there and it's real and it's significant. And we have talked on this podcast about the gift that his anger can be, but it lasts only a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime, Hmm. like relatively speaking. Yeah. God's goodness, his kindness, his favor is overwhelmingly the story here. And I think even, you know, you, when you talk about that turn, you turned my wailing into dancing. He's not just that he's drying the tears. It's that the goodness, the overflowing goodness is so good that not only does it stop what you're crying about, but it moves you to joy. That's quite, yeah. quite an image, really. Yeah. Right? To think about, like, <laughs> I think about times I'm crying. Like, I don't just get up and start dancing with joy. Like, that's a really powerful shift, right. you know? Right. Yeah, that's, it's. That's a, a good point, I think, to think about God as fundamentally good because there, you know, the, the Bible's full of, well, God is good, but, you know, but, but this or but this. Like there, it feels like sometimes there are caveats and there are things that we need to do in order for him to be good. And so yeah. to, yeah, to think about him being good throughout any, you know, throughout judgment, throughout punishment, throughout him, maybe not even seeing, seeming like he's there is a, is a, is a good reminder. I don't know. 
that's that's good yeah and the caveats right like if you think about the bible they're always flowing from our perspective yeah <laughs> right so yeah. it's sort of like okay like maybe i know god is good but here, here's my situation how does that and i think you know psalm 30 is maybe a gift in that it says like yeah there's wailing yeah there's sackcloth yeah there's you know insecurity but the goodness of god is the thing that is predominant yeah. here yeah. which i think drives us to what you were saying about gratitude which I think leads us nicely into our last question, which I think we've already been kind of toying with a little bit. But how does this psalm help us to pray? Well, you know, there is a little arc through through this psalm, and I think it I, I think it fits really well into into a prayer life. Like I mean, like a lot of the psalms, if you think about like vertical and horizontal relationships, mm. you know, a lot of the psalms are very sort of vertical. It's 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 sort of say more for listeners who might be less familiar with that terms, like what what you mean by vertical and horizontal. So so vertical is sort of the relationship between us and God, and then horizontal is this relationship between us and His people. Like does, yeah, does that make helpful. sense? Yeah, okay. totally. So there's no mention of like we, I think about a lot of a lot of prayer is and how we are taught to pray when we're kids is a lot of it is praying for other people. And mm-hmm. so I I think mm-hmm. that this is this has got a really healthy vertical sort of prayer like here God between you and me I'll exalt you I'll remember what you've done for me. I'm crying mercy but you're you know you've turned my wailing into dancing. And there's sort of not only gratitude, but also like this undertone of forgiveness, I think, at the end of the psalm. So I think mm. I think that's a really healthy way to, to to healthy thing. Those are all good things to integrate into a prayer life. Mm. And then I think there's maybe some New Testament elements that like in terms of loving our neighbors and praying for those who hate us kind of thing that could be part of part of it as well. So I think yeah. this takes us, I think this takes us a long way. What do you think? I was just thinking, I found really interesting your comment that as children, we kind of learn these horizontal prayers, mm. like praying for other people. Yeah. That seems really true. And then I was thinking kind of about my experience, maybe as a teenager, where it felt like my prayers, like the prayers I was taught to pray. And maybe this was my particular context where it's sort of like every week is a chance for an altar call. But my prayers were like, it became very vertical. It was all about confessing your sins oh, yeah. and making sure you're right with God. Yeah. And just like, I felt like, like looking back, it's like, it seems like some, in some sense, the intuitive, the intuitive nature of praying with and for others as children. Like there's this sense in which verse four, sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. There's a praying with here. There is a horizontal hmm. aspect yeah. kind of embedded in the verticality yeah. of it. But yeah, I was just thinking about it's interesting kind of in my own formation, how different seasons of my life and the people speaking into it kind of were leading me, you know, in shifting those. But really, I like what you're saying. Like, the goal is not really one or the other. It's together that they make kind of a robust way of praying. And the psalm maybe even helps point us that way. There's no fully formed thought there, but now I'm just thinking about my own life in light of your comment, which I think is super interesting. Well, it, you validating my observation, Matt, I think is a, that's a fully formed comment that's my, a fully formed my, thought. from my perspective. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. The, the only thing I'll add is just, and this goes back to, I think, verse nine and this weird, like verse nine is weird in this psalm, I think. <laughs> like everything else seems pretty kind of developed and formed. And then it's like this strange bargaining kind of manipulative like yeah. you scratch my back i'll scratch <laughs> yours first 
But I was just thinking it's another reminder that God can handle our uncensored prayers. Yeah. I think in the Psalms, we certainly see like, okay, God can handle our anger and our anger about injustice. And we don't need to censor that. And we've seen God can handle our anger at enemies. Like we don't need to censor that. And he can handle our sorrow. We don't need to censor that. And this was just like, God can also handle the prayers that flow out of kind of a brokenness and a weirdness and like, and exploring like what this looks like. It's like, he can also handle our uncertainty or even our ignorance about who he is and how he works. Oh, that's good. I like that, Aaron. Yeah, 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 yeah. He can handle our ignorance about (laughs) him. That's so good because it is like, you see this and it's like, okay, I'm not, if someone comes and is looking for some sort of spiritual guidance, I wouldn't say, hey, you know what you should really start incorporating into your prayer life is bargaining <laughs> prayers. I was thinking about Job, right? So here's here's this man uh, who yeah, suffers, yeah. who loses everything, continues kind of this upright life. And then in the final chapters of Job, basically goes to God and says, like, why is this? And God just takes him on this creation tour and says, hey, where were you when I made this? And where were you when I made this? And never answers this question. But the, the point in some sense being like, you don't, there's no bargain. Yeah. Like there's no deal. Yeah. This is who I am. I'm so much bigger than you can understand. So I love the way that you put it. It's not that this is the way for us to pray, but it is also true that God can handle our yeah. And when we're tempted to pray this kind of thing, he, he can handle yeah. that. I think, yeah, so much of people who feel stuck in prayer, like is, and when I feel stuck in prayer, often it's just because I'm self-censoring. I'm like, God doesn't want to hear right. that. Like, that's not helpful for me right. to pray. And this is just kind of another, the Psalms are kind of systematically, I think, tearing down the censors that I would be inclined to put on right. me as I, as I go through them. Well, and since so. he knows, he knows, he knows these things are on our mind and our heart anyway, like that's what, that's mm-hmm. what we talk about too, about the Psalms giving us permission to say them out loud. And so I yeah. think that's really uh, a gift, honestly. Yeah. yeah, totally. Well, once again, we've done it. <laughs> psalm 30. <laughs> Uh, I, I enjoyed this psalm. I enjoyed talking about the psalm. And I love how conversation always kind of hones the points. Yes. The idea of bringing our ignorance to God is so helpful for me. And gratitude is kind of a framing approach for how we respond to God. That's that's really uh, maybe, helpful. So thanks, well, Aaron. My pleasure. It was helpful for me, too. I, maybe I can squeeze that ignorance line into a song somewhere. Oh, yeah. I, I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll be keeping my ears out for that. <laughs> what rhymes with ignoramus? <laughs> <laughs> I'll find something. (laughs) Oh, well, on that note, thanks, Aaron, for joining me. That was fun. Let's conclude with these verses from the psalm. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Go out and pray the psalms.